The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch, and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Upps, and each week I'm joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week, I'm joined by an impact fee technician who lists their favourite movie as A Nightmare on Elm Street and favourite TV show as Golden Girls. Welcome back to the show, Karina Maybe. What's up? How's it going? What's good? Not too much. Could you be any more on brand? What do you mean? Yeah, cup. It's my knockoff Bucky's slash Stanley cup. With horror elements and Halloween Horror Night shirt, black hat in the background. I, this is my life though. Like horror is not just a, a thing. It is a lifestyle for me. So it feels like spooky season all the time in this household. And that explains a lot of my delusions and problems probably in life, but whatever. <laughs> Don't be judging me. But uh, yeah, on that front, I think that probably fits in nicely with our, our topic this week. I imagine you really enjoyed this show because today we're getting our spooky, mysterious investigation hats on as we head out into the freezing cold of Alaska and review True Detective Night Country, the fourth season of the True Detective anthology series. Yes. This season, set in a fictional town of Ennis, Alaska, follows an investigation into the disappearance of eight men from a isolated research station. What did you think of this one before we dig into it a bit deeper? This was a fun show. Prior to you saying, hey, we got to watch this, I didn't know what True Detective was, which is bad because I've had Max for like the past year and a half, almost two years. I mean, I've never thought to like check out True Detective. And True Detective is like right up your alleyway of mixing true crime and horror elements. Yep. So I feel like I have just been sleeping on this show. And since being introduced to season four, I have, um, I think I finished season one or I came close to finishing season one. Um, and I'm on track to do the other two seasons as well, because it's a pretty decent show. Mm-hmm. I liked it. So yeah, this season is the first one to carry a subtitle in the, the night country subtitle, which I think was a good choice. All of the others have just been called True Detective. Yeah. While they are all individual separate stories there really was like no indication of that when season two hit i think a lot of people were expecting oh we're just going to follow the same people but then we got the trailer i'm like oh wait these are all different people and then season three hit and did the same thing it was really weird um so while i was in uh looking into the true detective uh series i was like searching and rummaging trying to see what the like sub like plot title thing was for it i guess and there wasn't any until this one because i was like oh if this is called night country then the other ones have to be called something different nothing so it was very strange it's kind of like um it's weird because like american horror stories and anthology series but aside from like the first season all of the other ones have like their extra titles with them when it first starts it's not just like true detective true detective yeah i think moving forward they if they move forward, I think, yeah, this subheading thing is a good idea. Like, I think it just makes it easier for new people to be like, oh, I can jump in now. Yes. 
Whereas if this had just been, oh, True Detective season four, some people might have been like, oh, God, I've got to catch up and watch the first three seasons. Maybe I won't watch this new one. Whereas now it's like, oh, it has its own subheading. It's obviously its own self-contained story. I can I can jump in at season four. Yeah, and like that was my first concern when you were telling me that we needed to watch this. I was like, well, I've never seen any of the other ones, so I got a lot of catching up to do. And you go, no, 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 it's fine. You don't have to watch the other ones to understand this one. They're all different stories. I was like, damn. Although like I binge a lot pretty quick. Different stories, different like lead actors as well. This season led by Jodie Foster and Callie Reese, both of whom I thought did phenomenal jobs in their portrayals of Liz Danvers and Evangeline Navarro, respectively. Yes. Uh, Jodie Foster is queen. I love Jodie Foster so much. Um, and like, I feel like when I was watching this, it was kind of like watching her in Silence of the Lambs, mm-hmm. just in like a different setting, but it was the same kind of vibe, you know? So I love Jodie Foster in that kind of element and realm. One note I will have for Jodie Foster in this show is I never expected to see. What is she, like 60-year-old Jodie Foster having very aggressive sex? Yeah, that was a that was a bit of a, a shock for me because she's just always kind of been like non-sexualized like in everything. And so the fact that this show kind of did that and took everybody into that element of Jodie Foster, it was very strange and very unexpected. It was yet yeah, a little awkward at times. <laughs> I just looked it up. 61 years old and it was... It was aggressive. That's pretty full on. Yeah. Apart from that, I thought her performance was fantastic as like this high strung alcoholic detective who's like obviously battling a bunch of demons following uh, the death of her son. And so maybe just a little dash of racism. Yeah. She doesn't seem very fond of the natives in the town, which is a bit disappointing because the majority of everybody in this town is um, like Eskimo, I guess is what they're supposed to be. Yes. I don't want to offend anybody, but I feel like an asshole. Like, yeah. I, I just <laughs> indigenous. Indigenous. Yeah. Indigenous. Um, I'm not sure what they, like, the term is anymore. Yeah. But like the fact that like the majority of everybody that makes up the population of this town is of that descent. And she's just kind of very like staunch, like no, participation in it no get the hula out of here whatever kind of moment yeah like she's just totally against like all of their culture her adopted daughter she's like really discouraging her from like tapping into her heritage and like the yeah the painting on the chin and stuff like that like she's very anti-inuit culture is that what it is maybe I'm just, I I was kind of like disappointed in her character because of the fact that she was so negative towards that. And, um, you know, all her adopted daughter wanted to do was really like find her true roots and kind of connect with people that are like her, you know, and that she can relate more to. And it's just kind of sad to see her kind of go down that way. But then like, I think that's where the, the cool dynamic comes with Liz being teamed up with Evangeline Navarro. She at the beginning of the season, clearly doesn't want to be around, but she's also going through a similar phase to what uh, Liz's daughter is, where she's going out on this investigation and other Indigenous people are asking her, like, oh, what's your Inuit name, essentially? And she's Mm -hmm. like, I don't have one. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And so she's going through this whole process of self-discovery and tapping into her cultural heritage, and Liz is kind of getting dragged along on that journey as well, and I think that sort of softens her on the whole dynamic. Yeah, like, I couldn't really tell if she was just, like, kind of denouncing her 
her um, heritage, if like she was like angry um, towards that side of her or what have you. But it, she seemed very like reluctant at first to kind of want to embrace herself. Um, so that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I think that all goes back into to her history as well, like with her seemingly her mother committed suicide. The sister obviously has some very strong mental health issues, which is kind of all tied into their beliefs in like being able to talk to the the dead and stuff like that. Yeah, so I think she's just kind of reluctant to do that because she's afraid that she's going to go down that same hole. Yeah, her performance was great. I thought she did a great job of like depicting someone clearly struggling with PTSD from her time in the Marines and also like with her cultural heritage, she kind of gets a little bit too wrapped up and too close to the case that precedes the scientist's disappearance. Yeah, because it's like there's the main case of this and then there's like the pre-case of this. Like, Yeah, the cold case. They're all connected, but there's like a cold case and a normal case and it's really crazy. I thought that all the performances were good. Um, Finn Bennett as Peter Pryor was really good as well. Fiona Shaw as Rose Agenew. She was great. The old lady talking to the... I love her. Random old man in the snow who we later find out is dead. Yeah, that was a really strange. This this show had a lot of strange moments where I was like, are they alive or are they dead? Like, are, is that person like living or are they talking to a dead person? It was very convinced, like very hard to decipher who was actually alive and who was like not alive. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the running threads through the four seasons of this whole concept of like time is a flat circle. Yeah. Where the past is interacting with the present and vice versa, and it's all sort of playing on each other. But this season had the most sort of horror tone to it. Mm-hmm. There was straight up like single person walking through like a dark alleyway or a dark isolated building and then jump scares and stuff like that, which we didn't sort of have in any of the previous ones. Like, Yeah. Season one has like this sort of weird like supernatural elk thing element like the deer yeah man like has that part but it's definitely nowhere near as horror toned as this one i don't think yeah because even in the opening sequence i was just like oh this is it's like the thing it's pretty intense like parts of this are like what the fuck yeah exactly like the thing like they're stranded in an alaskan laboratory and i was just like i'm getting flashbacks all over the fucking place right so um that was really it was kind of crazy but i appreciated it because it just kept you guessing like what actually happened to them you know what occurred this this and that so i i really liked that it kept me you know it grabbed me enough to keep me you know curious throughout the whole thing Mm -hmm. and the, the music plays a big part in this as well like it's very sort of eerie supernatural horror music as well I also love the fact that this this uh, show takes place during that whole 30 days of night thing in Alaska. I feel like that also helps with the whole like people possibly having delusions or whatever is because they're so out of sorts with having to live in complete darkness mm-hmm. 24 hours a day. There is no light, <laughs> you know, like one o'clock in the afternoon is the same as like 10 o'clock at night. And, you know, that can lead to people going crazy in general. And yeah, that that's another cool element too, where even as a viewer watching the show, you're kind of looking at it being like, is it daytime? Is it nighttime? Like what, what time is it? How many days have passed since this all started to begin? But as the investigation gets underway, you sort of come to realize it. It's only, it takes place over like the first part, like how many days, like three or four days when they're thawing out the bodies. Mm-hmm. It's really crazy. Feels like much longer. It does. And so whenever I was watching this originally, I was like, wow, 
why is everything happening at night? And then I, I just went back in my head. I'm like, never mind. It's not. It's, you know, like I said, like 10 o'clock in the morning. That's why she's having fucking coffee right now. Yeah. And breakfast. Yeah. Do you want, do you want breakfast? And it's like middle of the night. Like, what? Yeah. So I really, really loved that element. I feel like if they had done this in like a normal season of Alaska, like it wouldn't have been the same vibe. It, it would have been cool, but it wouldn't have given you like that extra kind of like a uh, horror vibe kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, I, that was one of my notes I wrote down as well. Like great isolated location. And yeah, you mentioned like how the 30 days of night like plays into the whole aesthetic as well. One of the quotes that I wrote down was it's a long night. Even the dead get bored. Mm-hmm. And like, they really do. Like there is times where that Rose character is talking to the old man and like, yeah, they're kind of doing it just because what else are we going to do? I also, I feel like Rose is probably my favorite. I, I, I like the main characters are great, but Rose was like one of my favorite, like supporting role characters. Cause she was such a badass, and she was just one of those people that you could call anytime and she'd be like, yeah, sure. Okay. I'll help you. <laughs> I'll help you dispose of this body in the ice, in the ocean randomly like oh it's, yeah absolutely middle of the night oh it's gonna be one of those nights all right <laughs> give me a second <laughs> yeah and like the 30 days of night like also echoes the whole they're all like dealing with their own personal demons and darkness that's like hanging over them in this isolated town for 30 days like oh geez but then on the flip side we also got to think like at the other half of the year they have 30 days of daytime yeah which would drive me fucking insane which i think would be worse yeah like, I could get through trying to feel sleepy all day because it's dark outside, but if it were, like, light all day long, I'd be fucked because I could not sleep. Like, I'd have tarps all over my windows. Need some serious blackout curtains. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like we mentioned, the season follows, like, the death of this group of scientists in this remote Alaskan research base, and I loved how the it kind of weaved in elements of climate change and environment and capitalism, like the mine is so vital to this town but it's also fucking up this town like it's yeah poisoning everyone in town yeah and then yeah there's the whole corruption element as well and i think that's my favorite part about the true detective series as a whole like you have all of these really high level topics but presented in a sort of almost scooby-doo-esque mystery yeah where it's kind of mysterious and supernaturally but then as the puzzle pieces all start to fall, th- fall together. You're like, oh, it's actually really straightforward and simple. Yeah, I really, really liked it. Um, the concept of, of it is really fun. And the way that it just played out was great. Um, I don't feel like it was dragged out or anything like that. The only problem I had, I think, with it in some of the parts was because it was so dark and desolate, there were a lot of like quiet moments that were shown and just like, you know, you hear white noise from like snowstorms or whatever. So those were kind of just like, oh, oh my God, I'm tired kind of moments. But for the most part, it was really uh, like kept me guessing. And I really, really appreciated and liked that a lot. On that front, this is the shortest season of True Detective as well. Oh, okay. It was only, this season's only six episodes. Mm-hmm. Every other season has been eight. Well, I feel like six was appropriate. I think that they did a really good job of utilizing their time properly and i don't think it was dragged out if they had done eight episodes it might have been a little dragged out at that point yeah i can't see where they could have added an extra two hours to make it Mm -hmm. make sense like it was perfectly encapsulated in the six episodes and if we only need six episodes to tell a strong story that's that's only do six episodes it's not stretch it for the sake of stretching it no and i really like the fact that they were able to even shove in like backstories of the characters 
without exceeding like too long into the and like making too many episodes essentially like they were able to get multiple points across um without it you know being either too squished or too dragged out and on the sort of solving the case mystery front i did like that the the whole conceit of danvers and her investigative technique is you solve the case by asking the right questions yeah and then throughout the season she's constantly urging peter the the sort of young police officer go ahead ask the question and he's just like constantly asking questions she's like nope not the right question that's nope, not, the right, not the right question. yeah and she's yet yeah, teaching him by not like explicitly saying this is what you have to do like she's letting him learn through experience and mm-hmm. simply asking questions until he's sort of it twigs in his own mind like oh this is what i have to do yeah she was actually a really great mentor like she seems very rough around the edges and like she doesn't really give a shit to be involved with a lot of people or make connections kind of like a lone wolf kind of moment but she did really well mentoring him um and kind of like explaining to him like this is what needs to happen <laughs> like you know and then yeah the other big part was we mentioned sort of the whole conceit of spirituality versus mental health and the sort of depiction of almost like schizophrenia. Like there's there's a lot of mental health elements at play in this season, which is really interesting. Oh yeah. The whole mental health element, I thought they did that in a really interesting way as well. Like particularly Navarro's sister. Yes. Yes. The way they have her depict the whole mental health element is like heartbreaking and almost terrifying as well like she's she clearly just snaps at times like oh jesus yeah i felt so bad for her like it was a real rough kind of thing to watch with the way that she was because it's like you know she wants to do better and she says that she wants to do better and then it's kind of like she can't (laughs) you know it's just not it she keeps just like running through different things in her head and she's like needs an escape essentially and I think that's a really like truthful depiction of mental health too. Like a lot of people that I've known that have had sort of mental health issues that they know there's a problem yeah, and they want to fix it and they do everything they can. And then the next second, the problems take hold and they can't fix it. Yeah. Like they know in themselves, like I shouldn't be doing this, but they can't right. help it. Yeah. It's a really, it was a, it's a sad truth, but yeah, it is a really good description in the way that they did it or a depiction. Sorry. Just utterly heartbreaking. Like her side story. It was really, really sad. Honestly. The ancient symbol. That's another one of those, like, is it a mental health issue? Is it a spirituality issue? Like I loved how there's that concept of have they kind of just been cursed by looking at this weird spiral thing. And yeah, again, like the whole spiral thing kind of ties all the seasons together as well hmm because there's always been like that weird kind of like symbolism and stuff like that or there's always that one weird symbol that like is just present everywhere yeah and the whole like time overlaps and stuff like it all just plays in together yeah that was a really fun kind of little, little bonus god that other guy that's in here the other police officer i think he's like isn't he her ex-husband or something like that or like maybe they were involved or like they were indicated that they were involved somehow with each other i forget his fucking name the one that she has sex with no the one who has his um scammy uh mail order bride <laughs> that never shows up oh that's uh peter the young guy it's his dad okay well for some reason i feel like they might have had a moment or something like that at one time because she's <laughs> like so insulting to him and there's just like a weird vibe between them every time that they're in the same room he's a prick i hope like i'm glad that he got what he deserved because he's a straight-up asshole and i 
was laughing when he got scammed by his uh, mail order bride slash like online girlfriend. What a dumbass. That whole time I was like, uh, she not real, bro. She's definitely not real, bro. No. And I think even his son was like, uh, just let him deal with it. Like, it's no harm, no foul. Like, he can have this pretend online girlfriend, like, whatever. Yeah. And then he realizes, wait, you didn't send her any money, did you? you dumbass. All his fucking money is going to that. And it's like, oh my God, dude. Like, ugh, Jesus. But yeah, no, the guy that she screws is an asshole too. Like, he's just weird, but yeah. He was kind of like a character that like, I almost feel like he, he was necessary, but he honestly wasn't kind of necessary. Almost. He was just kind of there. I think he was there just to kind of play into the whole corruption angle of this mine is so important to this town. So anybody will do anything to sort of keep it going. Yeah. It is the reason for a lot of these issues and particularly like contaminating the water leading to miscarriages, a massive spate of stillbirths. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Miscarriages, stillbirths. It's, it was awful. Like that scene where like she walks in and there's just like that huge utility shed with nothing but fucking coffins in it was like. And not full size coffins. Like. No, they're all little coffins. It'd be baby coffins. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like, I feel like that it was the turning point for her is when she realized like, this is bigger than just like solving a murder at this point. Like this is. Yeah. This is, this is bigger than eight scientists. Yeah. This is like a mass grave site essentially. And there's gotta be a reasoning behind it. It's insane. That's another crazy thing. Like you think about living up in such an isolated place like this town in winter, they can't actually bury anyone that dies no which is so sad the ground is too hard it's like yeah like oof, oof. okay don't die in winter or we're gonna have to put you in the fridge for six months before we can actually dig a hole no just stick them outside it's like a freezer outside anyway yeah i wonder if that building was like refrigerated or if it was just like they just let the air in yeah because it's so cold out there i mean like just leave a window open it'll be right oh my god that was insane. The other constant element throughout this season too, what did you think of the polar bear? So this polar bear gave me a lot of problems because my dog does not like animals. And so I was in the middle of watching this fucking show and my dog decided to wake up and bark at my TV uncontrollably. Try to fight a polar bear. Fucking Christ. It's very interesting to me. Um, it's kind of like a, one of those symbolic kind of things that just keeps popping up everywhere because, you know, um, her son has that stuffed teddy bear, the stuffed polar bear with just the one eye. Well, I don't think it had one eye until the accident. Okay, well. I think it was the accident caused it to have one eye, and that's the lasting memory of it. That's the sad thing, though, and I feel like that's kind of just, like, her son in a way of, like, just, like, showing her that, like, you know, he's watching her maybe or something like that in a weird kind of sense, and she doesn't want to kind of accept it maybe, or she just can't get closure from it because it's just still too too fresh. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, it was at that moment where I was like, these two characters are somehow linked and I don't know how. Yeah. The way that they are linked is pretty full on as well. Yeah. I did love that that sort of whole played into a small town mentality where kind of everyone knows everyone's business. Like Peter and the other police, like they all knew something wasn't quite right. When like happened. Right. With the investigation, but. Until Peter digs into it a bit more, nobody has any evidence as to what happened. So they kind of all just take their word for it. Yeah. And then it kind of just gets like swept under the rug once it is kind of like figured out. It's kind of just like, yeah, we don't talk about that. Mm -hmm. 
just kind of let it go. It was, it happened. It was, it was unfortunate that it happened, but at the same time, it kind of saved us from having to do it anyway. So, you know, one less fucking serial killer slash kidnapper on the loose. Yeah, it was kind of like, yeah, it's bad people die, whatever. No worries. <laughs> She's like, he, he wasn't a good person anyway, so yeah, it's fine. It worked itself out. The one thing I did learn about, thanks to this show, slab avalanches. Those things sound terrifying. Like where they all like... Well, a normal avalanche is where like all of the soft snow sitting on top of a mountain just falls down. Yeah, the rest of it, the other one is like it slides, like it's like a sheet. Yes, a slab avalanche is where there's a layer of loose snow, Mm -hmm. but then all the snow on top has like compacted and hardened into a slab, essentially, like a solid piece. Yeah. And then when that loose piece kicks out, this big heavy chunk just breaks off and slides down. (laughs) I liked it. They were like, oh yeah, that's how all these people died. I was like, that's terrifying. Yeah. It's walking along, this big chunk of ice just falls at you. Like, Jesus. It's nuts. Also, the way that they were frozen all together, like in that like one ball of like ice was absolutely bonkers to like i can't imagine like how long it took them to kind of like construct that entire kind of thing because it was just there's so many working parts of it (laughs) yeah arms and legs and bits hanging everywhere it's like what the hell and then when like the guy just like randomly breaks off the guy's arm accidentally (laughs) she's like get out stop touching things he's like don't touch anything (laughs) stop that yeah Oh, man. Yeah, props to the uh, prop department on that one. Like, that would have taken a serious amount of time to mm-hmm. put that together. But also, like, you can't just be willy-nilly and, like, let's just shove a leg here and an arm here. Like, It has to make sense. All of the bodies are still, like, connected. No, most of the time, most of them are all in one piece. They're just together and, like, contorted, like, crazy twister. Yeah. Um, I also loved the fact that since they couldn't get a coroner in there to examine the bodies, they grabbed the fucking vet. <laughs> Let's just get the local vet. I work on bodies. It's it, like animals. It's the same thing as a human body. It's fine. A cadaver is a cadaver kind of moment. And the way he just decides that they were murdered was they look scared. Yeah. <laughs> like Something scared them to death. They didn't just freeze. I was like, what the? Yeah, it's cardiac arrest. I've seen deers when they get scared and die. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that seems very scientific, bro. Oh, man, that cracked me the fuck up. I was just like, all right, well, yeah, it was some some ridiculous kind of stuff right here. (laughs) And then before we get into a big spoiler for the ending, Ash wanted to touch on, so they filmed this, I don't know why they filmed this here in particular, but it's set in Alaska, but it was filmed in Iceland with a budget of $60 million uh, beginning in November 2022 and wrapping in April 2023. Why? Why didn't they just film it in Alaska? I guess it's because, like, maybe to get that 30 days of night, it's easier to film in Iceland, where I think they then they don't have to be as high up to get the 30 days of night, whereas, like, Alaska, I think they have to be out at the tippy top, which would have been... Pretty high altitude. Just difficult and also, like, isolated. Like, I don't think you can just fly in and out of that part of Alaska. Like... Yeah. You'd have to, like chip everything up there and then everyone would be up there for at least the 30 days right and like whereas i think iceland you can just fly in and out of this hotels it's a bit nicer <laughs> right and with alaska not all of it is as like desolate looking um all the time either like there's some parts of it that don't have any snow really i feel and also it's a matter of like getting that frozen kind of depth too where you're also gonna like you know 
potentially find the ocean or nothing else. Like, I don't know. I feel like it was a good call for them to just like kind of find like almost like a no man's land because you never think of Iceland as like pristine spot, I guess, to visit. I don't know. It, uh, anytime I hear that, I think of that place, I just think it's always cold 24 fucking seven and I have no desire to freeze my butt off all the time. So mm-hmm. sounds cool, but I don't want to, I don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah. I think Iceland, like really the only place you would want to visit would be Reykjavik. And then I think outside of that, it is pretty much like this place. Yeah. Just like completely empty. A couple of small towns out in the middle of nowhere. There's a, there's a mine and that's about it. So I don't, I think it's really cool though. I really did like the the entire uh, environment that they were in. I thought it was really interesting how they just had that random boat that was like stuck in the middle of that gigantic like ice field where mm-hmm. uh, Navarra and her sister would go. It was a very interesting kind of like just added component to it. Well, yeah, I think that's kind of like the whole ice road truckers type thing where it's like 90% of the year, this is all water and lakes and stuff where we can use the water for transport. Mm-hmm. But then... Winter hits and we have two months where it's just frozen solid, so we have to truck it. Yeah. Black guy show truckers. That's a bunch of... Oh my god, you would. You feel like all the weird, stupid shows. No. Yeah, I even got you to watch Swamp People. That was the best show. <laughs> Alrighty, so now, before we close out the episode, a big spoiler with a question for you. Oh boy. Is Navarro dead or alive? I think she dies at a point. Yeah, that, no, that's what I mean. Like At the very end, is she alive or dead? I believe she's dead at the end. I think that coming to terms with the death of her sister was almost too much for her. And she didn't want to get to the stage that her sister got at or that her mom got to. So she just decided to kind of beat that kind of part of her life and like kind of just do it on her own terms. Yeah. So that's my conclusion is I I feel like that she did. She did probably die at the end. But um, yeah. Yeah. It's like. It's a real hard one. It left me very up in the air on which way it could have gone because I could also see it being like she faked her death to just like escape and like because she kind of feels like the whole curse thing that got her mom and her sister is like it follows people. Yeah. And I think I kind of get the impression that maybe she faked her death to like just escape and no one knows where she is except for maybe Liz. But, like, yeah, she just kind of escaped, and that's her way of, like, breaking this curse. I'm dead. I'm not here anymore, so just leave me alone. I'm out. Yeah. I don't know. It is a really weird kind of thing to think about. It is very much a weird ending where you're like, I can't tell. She could be alive. She could be dead. But then she's, like, she's having the tea with Danvers, and it's like, so is she actually there, or is it, like, the same as Rose and the old men? Yeah. Also, can we just take a minute to talk about how crazy that kitchen sequence was when the gun went off? Like, that was something that was like, this show was pretty tame for me as far as like, violence and like, you know, in your face, like, things like, you know, um, or intense moments. Like, it's all just kind of been... It starts with a cut out tongue. Okay, but like... It didn't show that, I guess. Yeah, they didn't really show that. This was like a full-on, like, that guy got his brains blown. Yeah, there was there was chunks on the wall. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he didn't fucking deserve it, but that was a very intense moment. And the fact that, like, the kid was just like, no, this is my mess, I gotta clean it up kind of thing, I was just like, god damn. Yeah, clean, cleaning up the chunks of your father's brain. Pretty intense moment. And then also trying not to get caught. 
he might have some serious PTSD after this. Right? Not to mention, like, he didn't even have to, like, he couldn't even bury his dad. He had to literally, like, dispose of him in a hole in the ice. Which he then almost fell into. Yeah, that would fuck anybody up. <laughs> yeah. That's like a video I saw on TikTok the other day that's really fucked up. Like, these people were doing, like, these ice water plunge things. Oh, the polar plunges? Yeah. Yeah. And this woman jumps in and then realizes that the fucking current in the water under the ice is crazy fast. And she just goes, oh, shit. <gasps> oh, my God. And they never found it. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, she just goes, Bloop, and then all of a sudden you just see her like, only like halfway down and you see her start to go already. She's like, Zoop, and you're like, oh, that's not good. Yeah, no, no. None of that sounds fun. So, yeah, maybe check the fucking water before you go doing that sort of stuff. Make sure the water is still. Yeah, usually those are like more of like a, a controlled environment kind of thing. Yeah, make sure it's like a lake, not a crazy ass river under there. Yeah. And then the last spoiler too, I love the way they solve the mystery with the little missing finger. Yes. Yeah, I love how the, like the, the way they ultimately solve <sighs> who killed who, what happened and everything is a finger a fingerprint missing a finger. That was that must have been hard too. Like in my head when I was watching her try to like open that latch with just like the three uh, the fingers i was like oh that oof oof that was also kind of crazy though that was one of those breadcrumbs that i didn't really even pay attention to at the start i just like oh, whatever it's a weird fingerprint yeah that whole actually like scenario when they finally figured out like you know who done it that was an unexpected uh turn of events for me like i did not see it coming a mile away i mean i'm sure you did because you you got a fucking keen eye for these kind of fucking things Oh, okay. But yeah, it was, they definitely did a really, really good job of making you guess like who the fuck was responsible for things or how the fuck that happened because there, it was just insane the amount of effort that went into covering up exactly what happened and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And that's like, that's my favorite part of the True Detective series. Like they always do this whole, like the whole season, you're like, oh, yeah, there has to be something like weird and supernatural about it. Like, but in the back of your head, you're always thinking, no. There's just detectives, like, they're going to solve this crime. It's not supernatural. It's not crazy. And then the reveal is always like, holy shit, how did they do this and cover it up so well? And I think this one, it's because they're cleaners. Yeah, like, in your face the whole time, like, just the last person you would have fucking expected. Yeah, it's always such a cool reveal. And I do like that they always kind of leave it until, like, they left it to the last episode, didn't they? And then yeah. there's the whole big reveal and then we get half an episode of, okay, now this is what's happening now. It's just very, it was a very well done kind of conclusion to everything. And I just, I loved it. I thought it was a perfect fucking twist at the end, really. Yeah. And on that front, I think this is a massive return to form for True Detective. Season one, phenomenal. Season two, pretty solid. Season three, definitely lost its way. Uh, and was kind of like, uh, if that's the last one we ever get, well, it makes sense. Like it, they've run out of cool ideas, but then they've come back with this season. I'm like, okay, give me more. Like this was brilliant. I love this season. Yeah. I also love the fact that like, I guess what I wasn't expecting is that this kind of a series would have such big names like Jodie Foster. And then when I looked at the first season and it was, it was um, fucking Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. I was just like, mm -hmm. holy shit. <laughs> like, Granted, I know it's HBO and they got money to throw everywhere, but I was just like, damn, like it, one of those things that I just kind of slept on, I guess. Yeah, they get big names for this show, like season one, Matthew McConaughey and 
Woody Harrelson, the two main characters. Yeah. Season two had Colin Farrell, Vince Vaughn, and Rachel McAdams. Yeah. Which was an, another really solid season. Then season three had Mahershala Ali, which was fun. And then, yeah, this one, Jodie Foster, which was great. Yeah, I was, I did not expect to see like those kind of names pop up into like a show like this, but I'm really glad that it did. Yeah. So yeah, like, in, like I mentioned, it was a return to form. So like, this is easily, easily my second favorite of the four seasons, very close to season one as well. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoy what I've seen. Season one, season two, a bit of a gap, uh, season one, season four, a bit of a gap to season two, and then a big drop for season three. Yeah, I've definitely, I definitely have enjoyed season one so far. I don't, yeah, and come to think of it, I don't think I finished it yet. I think I'm like halfway through of the, the season. Um, but yeah, what I've seen of it, I really, really enjoy. So um, I'm glad I kind of started with four at this point. <laughs> um, just so, you know, I don't have to go into it thinking every season's like that now, because now I know that I can expect to be a little bit disappointed as I go on. So in terms of a rating for True Detective Night Country, what would you give this one out of five? For me, this show is probably a good solid like four, four and a half. It's easily the best thing I've seen all year. Granted, it's only like a week into the year right now. But uh, I have like other shows on my list that I'm currently watching. So of the ones that I've seen so far, it has been a really, it was a really, really good show. And I've talked to everybody about it coming up and I'm just like, I really think this is going to be a great season. Like I, I'm really excited for this. And, you know, people were in shock that I had never seen it before. So um, they were just like, Oh yeah, you got to jump on board with season four. It's, it's probably going to be great. I'm like, sounds like it. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I gave this one a five because like I said, it's, it's back up there with the pinnacle of the series and it's, it's definitely one where you want to sit down, pay attention. It's only six episodes. Like it's, it's still a, a commitment, but it's not, eight hour commitment or actually a little bit longer because some of these episodes are just over an hour yeah but yeah definitely like sit down commit to this pay full attention and just enjoy the ride and see if you can solve the mystery first has um has it been announced yet if they're releasing the entire season at once or is it going to be a weekly release uh it'll it'll be weekly knowing hbo I just wanted to make, I didn't know, because sometimes I know that they release shows and if they're not super popular or something like that, they just end up dropping the whole series, certain platforms. Yeah, no, nah, I, I think this one, they'll, they'll milk this one out for six weeks. I mean, they, they, they're smart. So yeah, I, I would presume so. But it's definitely, definitely it was a good watch. I thoroughly enjoyed it and I'm glad I was able to watch it. Yeah. So fingers crossed we get more seasons. I think it'll all depend on how this does. No, I think it'll depend on the writer. Oh, yeah. Nick Pizzolato, the series creator. I think it'll all come down to does does he have a new idea that like really in, really grips him and something he's excited about because the executives at HBO have said like if Nick has an idea that he's really excited about, we will take take the meeting and we'll listen to it. So it'll all come down to that. I don't want him to just make a season because they've asked him to make a season. Like I want him to make a season because like, this is a cool story. I know I can make this really cool. Let's, let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. I really, yeah. I really hope that we see more of it. Um, and that they continue to be well done. (laughs) We'll put it that way. True Detective Australia. Let's do it. 
I mean, they already have NCIS out there in Sydney, so why not bring other crime dramas to Australia? Because you guys could have like a major crime out there with throwing people in the bush and stuff like that, and or you know, like getting eaten by crocodiles. And just like the way they incorporated like the indigenous cultures for this one, like the Alaskan culture. Yeah. I think they could do something really cool like that here with Aboriginal culture. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to see a true detective down under. I mean, that'd be fun. I mean, if not, then they could always just recreate the whole Wolf Creek incident. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True, detec- true Detective Australia, True Detective New Zealand would also be really cool with like Maori culture. That'd be really fun. Lo- lots of possibilities. I mean, we could do like a, a Florida man True Detective. <laughs> that'd be that'd be fun. Well, season one's New Orleans, so it's close. It's a little different. <laughs> Alrighty. Thank you everyone for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow Karina on Instagram at Miss Karina Renee, and you can follow me on social media at Jamyups Media and at Pario Magazine. The commentary booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Apps.